Hey, what's up? Happy Friday. Welcome to another edition of Canucks Talk here on Sportsnet 650. I'm Jamie Dunn, my co-host, of course, Canucks insider Thomas Trams, who you can also read at The Athletic. Canucks Talk brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the worksite. Find them together online at DLEAMC.com. We are live from the Kintec studio. Kintec, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? 650. 650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. What's going on, Transfer? Not much, buddy. How are you? I'm great, man. What a what a week this has been. It's been busy. It's been a fun week. It's uh, it's Friday. We still have to wait until Tuesday to see the new look Canucks go at it in Carolina. Very very excited uh, for that. But we got a few days before that. Um, I don't know. I'm traveling tomorrow to rally. So. There you go. Um, <clears throat> Canucks uh, practice on Sunday. It's one of those late CBA mandated practices. But Raleigh's not an easy place to get to, so I got to leave tomorrow to make it um wasn't planning to go right so the trade has kind of changed my calculus um yeah should be uh should be interesting i'll be that'll back be on good, the road though. that'll be good first like elias lindholm practices and games and stuff sure. talk to him all it, that it, i mean we're gonna talk to him today but yeah that's true you, you gotta do it uh, the yeah look it's an exciting trade it's been an exciting week for the canucks the alvin extension and then uh, just a ton of NHL news, some of it with Canucks yeah. applications. So should we open the whiteboard yeah, and get into it. it? Let's get into the whiteboard here. All right, now, fellas. Hey, let's focus up, huh? Uh, it's your daily deep dive into what's up with the Canucks for today, February 2nd. Uh, we'll start with the headlines. As you mentioned, lots of big news items from around the NHL this morning. Is there anything whatsoever that you want to say about the scintillating NHL All-Star Draft from last night. <laughs> no. 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 I mean, big news item, obviously, from that. Quinn Hughes snubbing Elias Lindholm at the All-Star Draft. Uh, yeah. Devastating. But but drafting everyone else. Yeah. So there's basically a Team Canucks, which is yeah. fun for fans. I mean, that'll yeah. be fun tomorrow. Um, but yeah, no, not, not a ton. I mean... No. Yeah, that's it. It's a work in progress. Let's call it that. Michael Bublé saved the evening, but... <laughs> All right, so I, I, you know what? I I'd be happy to microdose the All Star game. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> like a, a true unpatriotic <laughs> Canadian <laughs> refusing to do the full dose of the All Star game. <laughs> um, all right, so as we said, a lot of news, not directly related to the Canucks, but certainly concerning the Canucks today uh, from around you know the Western Conference and hockey in general. We'll start with a trade. After the Canucks go out and pick up one of the or the headlining center available on the market in Elias Lindholm today, the Winnipeg Jets, uh, one of their Western Conference rivals, trade for Sean Monahan from the Montreal Canadiens, and so you can already see the ripple effect and the domino effect of the Canucks jumping the market and setting the market really for Lindholm. And I know on Thirty Two Thoughts or. Uh, uh, on the 32 Thoughts podcast, Friedman did say that Winnipeg was in on Lindholm. So you can see a direct impact from the Canucks being aggressive, being willing to pay that little bit extra, winning the bidding on Lindholm, and now it trickles down uh, to at least one Western Conference team. And it also starts to get interesting for the other ones too, right? Because now that's two centers off the market already before the All-Star game is even in the books. And, you know, you look at a team like Colorado Drance, 
who we've all kind of, I think, assumed are going to go out and make a move, going to go out and add a center. I know a lot of people thought Lindholm might end up there, and now Lindholm and Monaghan both off the board as Monaghan goes to the Jets. The, yeah, I mean, what's better than acquiring Elias Lindholm and paying a significant but ultimately uh, totally reasonable price? Mm -hmm getting another team to overpay for a yeah. worse player you force you got the best player and now you force all the other all the other teams to, to play catch up yeah and, and react and in in the jets case i think they i mean on the one hand there's no brustevich quality prospect in the jets package to montreal but on the other the jets don't clear cap space in the deal so like i'd say they paid 70 percent of the price that the canucks did for a much better player um you know i have concerns about how monahan fits and you know i i wonder too if the jets felt the stress the, the leverage stress of, hey, this team that could win first in the uh, West, like we have to match them, especially mm. because the prize of winning first in the West matters this year. Yeah. And it's worth noting, of course, that, you know, after the um, after the Lindholm trade, as you mentioned, Dom Lucision, you know, updated his models and everything. And albeit only by a point, but the Canucks jumped the Winnipeg Jets in the year end projection. Uh, per Domel's model, uh, projected to finish with 112 points versus the Jets, 111 points. So that's a meaningful movement, right? And it is the kind of thing, as you said, when there's so much at stake finishing first, not just in your division, uh, but in the conference, and a team goes out, makes the move early, right? So they're going to have more runway to try to rack up points with Lindholm in the lineup. Uh, I do think it puts pressure on other teams. And it's going to be really fascinating now to see what does Edmonton try to do, right? What does Colorado try to do? Does Vegas have a big swing in them? And, of course, one of the other Pacific Division rivals that we're watching and also uh, playoff team, the LA Kings, who made some big news today, firing Todd McClellan, letting him go uh, at the All-Star break, and uh, they'll go with the interim coach for the remainder of the season. Interesting, certainly. The – yeah, I'm curious, the – I find this move to be curious because it feels like you would have done it before now if you're going to do it. Well, to, right? me, to me, the thing I find most curious is not the timing so much as it's the fact that, you know, the, the press release anyway announces Jim Hiller, former Maple Leafs assistant, as the coach for the rest of the year. Mm -hmm. But they're not giving a press conference on it until the 5th of the, of the month. So they're going to wait for All-Star. Now, they don't play till the 10th. They're bye weeks on the other side. So they have time. But don't you find that odd? Doesn't that feel weird? Like, is this team that they've spent years sort of trying to build up around Doughty and Kopitar that's had, you know, a, a tough month but also has played months of elite hockey this season and has an elite underlying form, like, you're going to leave that to um, – a guy like Jim Hiller, who, you know, no no disrespect, just like not exactly a... He's never a, been an NHL head coach. He's never been an NHL head coach. Yeah. Um, and there are and there are candidates around, like in, including, by the way, I think a really strong one in Marco Sturm, who's their American League coach. Mm. Uh, that it... Just the whole thing feels odd to me, even though I can accept that a team in the sort of like run that becomes self-fulfilling, you know, like where... You're, you're getting bad luck and still playing well, and all of a sudden you're not playing well anymore because you're getting bad luck and everyone's squeezing their stick too tight and people start cheating and now you're not yourself and it snowballs on you. Like I think when you get into that moment, it makes sense to turn the page. It made sense for the Oilers when they did it, and I think Woodcroft's a really good coach. 
but yeah, it just I just sort of look at it and think I just sort of look at it and think they probably needed to make a change, but this change with this timing, all of it makes me go, hmm. It's very odd. As I, I agree because he's not. They announced that he's not just taking over as the interim coach, Jim Hiller, but that he will be the interim coach for the rest of the season. Because firing a just coach, not introduced for another three days. Fire, yeah. I mean, that, I don't. It's All Star break. I know, I but get I that. don't. I don't buy. I don't. I think I just don't buy any of it. Like I just feel like we don't actually have the full picture done. I yet. understand that because you know firing a coach like Todd McClellan for an underperforming team. Now it is a little late in the season for it, but it's also this is not an unusual move, right? Like no, we've, we've seen that. We've already seen the Oilers do it. You know this. Is is something you see over and over it's just usually when team that wants to be a contender but is struggling fires their pretty good coach you bring in someone from outside the organization whether it's an established guy like the kings did way back when with daryl sutter or whether it's you know chris knobloch who wasn't established but still coming in from outside the organization or your hl coach like or your the hl with coach. mike sullivan but it's just odd that it's just like, because the whole reason you're doing it is, hey, new voices, give the team a kick, right? All of that. I don't know if you're getting that by just promoting your assistant coach for the remainder of the season. Mm. Like, it seems to be limiting the utility of how this move is normally played, where you're bringing in someone fresh who's not around the team on a day-to-day basis in to bring in that new voice. As you said, even if it's just your AHL coach still hiring from within, just moving the guy over from the assistant bench spot, I don't know. That doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Yeah, I mean, I still I'm, I want I want Jay Woodcroft. The mm. Kings don't play again until they face the Oilers on the 10th. Like, let's go. That would be awesome. That would be, be so, so good. That would be fantastic. That's what I want. Can you imagine Kings hire Jay Woodcroft and then finally beat the Oilers in the playoffs? Yeah, well, fi- oh, I mean, I mean, let's the, go. For it to happen, the Oilers probably need to reel in the Canucks at this point. Yep. Right? So, I'm not, you know, it's it's not likely. It's not the, mo- the most remote possibility, but it's not likely. But, man, it would be fun. That's, like, the storyline we all deserve. Yes, that would be very good. But it's the funny thing with the Kings is, and I know you've been on this, that you think they're just they're just in a cold streak. And now sometimes those cold streaks can kind of become self-fulfilling, right? Yep. And the, the, bad, uh, the bad vibes are just too much. But they're probably going to bounce back and go on a run here. And it's oh, going to yeah. look great for Jim Hiller. But, like, well, they probably were going to do that under Todd McClellan anyways. Well, and this is also where, I mean, if they – if they bring in a coach who can just unleash a little bit more offensively, too, I think there's mm. a, a real ceiling there, given their skill level. I, they play such rig, rigid north-south hockey. I like it, for the most part. I like st- structural hockey, it, it just as a general rule. But I do think that's a team that if they were to just find a way to prioritize higher quality chances you could you could see them level up to the point where they're like a real contender as opposed to a, an, an annoying team that's like yeah. a good foil to take a more star-studded group like to game six or seven in the playoffs uh so that's with the latest with the la kings and it'll definitely bear monitoring to see how they perform now with the new coach behind the bench olympics Yes, and also announced uh, officially uh, less than a couple of hours ago here, Best on Best Hockey is returning in a couple of different formats. So next year, right around this time, 2025, the NHL and the NHLPA will, st- will stage, I think they're calling it the Four Nations Face-Off. So it'll be Canada, the U.S., Sweden, and Finland in a tournament, round-robin games, and then in a, a single elimination final. So I think a total of seven games. And then the main event, 2026 and 20. 20- 30, the NHL officially returning to the Winter Olympics, uh, striking a deal with the IIHF. So, look, I'm thrilled. This is this is what we have all been craving for a long, long time. 
The Four Nations, if it had been announced in isolation as just that, I think it would have felt really underwhelming. I can get a lot more excited about it as an appetizer for the Olympics. Now, they also said, the NHL and the PA, that they're very, very much want to stage real legitimate World Cups in 2028 and 2032, right? So you can see this. They're trying to establish what I think has been the goal for 20 plus years, which is every four years you're going to the Olympics and the two years, the two year interval between those, you're staging a World Cup. And if you get on that schedule, all of a sudden this drought of best on best hockey is going to be a thing of the past. It is so past due to have a solution like this, and it is absolutely thrilling, I think, for hockey fans. Mm. Yes, it is. Huge deal. Yes, it is. And, you know, players are going to be excited. They've oh. been they've been furious about yeah. the lack of Olympic participation. Uh, sounds like the the IOC caved on a couple things in terms of like sh- at least sharing like media highlights mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with the league. But I still think it's ludicrous that the IOC gets to borrow NHL players, but the NHL doesn't get any licensing. So like the you can't sell and make money off like a Trey Crenar. Elias Pettersson jersey right, right. at the at Rogers Arena like come on you know you, you can't make money off of um off of uh Quinn Hughes Team USA jersey the NHL cannot do that yep that's ludicrous yeah so, I mean it's still not a great deal but it looks like they, they've looks like the IOC gave in on some key areas so that's but good. I think ultimately the IOC knows what a strong position they're in right and like mm-hmm. this is the reason they're able to get away with all sorts of things not just related to hockey is because they know how strong the pull of the Olympics is for athletes for fans right and in this case they know what the score is they know the PA desperately wanted to go back to the Olympics and ultimately I think as much as you know the NHL had very very legitimate complaints and as you said look they get the IOC to bend on a few things but certainly not everything it is just having regular dependable, credible, best-on-best tournaments is a huge deal. It, it's it, it's just, you have to have it. And you can, you, rather than getting caught in the details of, well, what are we getting from the IOC, at a fundamental level to grow the game, ultimately, you need these best-on-best tournaments. So I'm really excited. It's going to be great. Uh, 2025 Four Nations Face-Off. We, um, we have some time to do some stuff. Should we um, build Team Canada? No. Why not? No, I've got a way better idea. Because I've got a better idea. Not I don't because, want to do it right now. Not because... Uh, no, I'm not saying... We, uh, we'll eventually do Should it. we do it with Dim today? No. Oh, I don't think so. I, I mean, love, we can. I love building Team Canada. Fair Legitimately enough. one of my favorite things to do. So, I was thinking... What are you going to do? I was thinking we could do a uh, tiered list of Canucks players that if the games were held today, would, would represent their country. Okay. Okay? Okay. So... I mean, tier one, Quinn Hughes, Elias Pettersson. The, so tier one would be locks. Yeah. Okay. Quinn Hughes, Elias Pettersson. Yes. JT Miller. Yes. Absolute lock. Yeah. Thatcher Demko. He's at least going to be one of the three. I'm not saying he's going to be the starter. He's going to be one of the three. He's a lock yeah. to so be on the roster. Absolute lock. Absolute Okay. You ready? Because yeah. the locks keep going. <laughs> All right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Hronik. Hronik. Bobby, yeah. Okay. Pew Suter. Yes. Yes. Teddy Bluger and Arthur Silovs. Let's go. And Elias Lindholm. You think he's a lock? Lock. Stone cold lock. All right. Likely tier. Okay. Zadorov. Sure. I mean, he, you know, they might be if like. If they go. It might be like Team RUS, but. Yeah. Mikheyev. Mikheyev, yeah. Brock Besser. 
Likely. I think likely. Whew. Now, now I think likely in that he might be on the fourth line. Sure. But it's hard to make those teams. Those teams are hard to make. Yeah. Oh, that, that USA roster is going to be stacked. Now, there's another guy that I thought could be in the likely tier, but I'm going to put him in the fringy tier. Mm-hmm. And that's Niels Hoaglander. Okay. I think yeah. Hoaglander, would, Hoaglander has a real shot. Well, he has a real shot, but likely is too strong. I don't know. I don't think it is. Honestly, I don't think really? it is. I think if he was, I think if Team USA was building out their team, Team Sweden. T- what did I say? USA. Team Sweden was building out their team today. Niels Hoaglander would like, would be like a Niels Hoaglander, Calais Yarncroc fourth line. All with right. Like another guy. Yeah. Yeah. Arvidsson or something. Maybe that's too small. Maybe it's a bigger guy. But yeah. Connor Garland, fringy. Fringy for sure. Yeah. Really tough to crack that USA roster. And now this guy's a lock. If his team qualifies. Okay. Danila Klimovich. <laughs> Absolute stone cold lock. Yes. But. If if Belarus qualifies. But Belar- uh, Belarus needs to bump out, you know, one of Poland or or, the, mm-hmm. or Great Britain. <laughs> so they need to, at the 2024. I mean, I like their chances. Yeah. So at the 2025 World Championship, they first they need to win the Group B um, promotion. Yep. Then they need to hold that promotion in 2025, um, but if they if they're in the tournament, I you know I I would think Daniela Klimovic is um is a a lock and likewise his countryman and Canucks goaltender Nikita Tolapilo. Wow, that is like that was like 15 names. I told you this was going to be better than you thought. <laughs> that was wild. That just kept going. I know. <laughs> I was going over it. I was like, man. Because the Canucks had five guys at the Olympics in 2010. You had Erhoff. Six, wasn't it? Was it six? So they had Luongo, the Twins, twins, Kessler, Erhoff, and Salo. Okay, cool. So six. But they'd have way more (laughs) this year. (laughs) That's a while. And uh, now not all of those guys. I mean, Bluger, UFA, right? You go and find other, you know, who might not be uh, with the organization then. But a lot of them are. Yeah, you know, like Demko, Miller, Hughes. Those guys are Patterson. We hope those guys are sticking around. <laughs> Heronic, probably. What we hope. <laughs> that's that's the, that's not even my language. That's what Jim Rutherford or Patrick Gravelin was saying this week. Like, hopefully, we'll get it done. <laughs> Fingers crossed. That's what we all think. <laughs> hopefully, we'll get it done. All right. Should we do what? What do you want to do now? Uh, well, we can keep going with the whiteboard quickly. We can wrap well, up. The no, whiteboard. of course. But yeah. do you, are we going to do? Um, There's what? We're going to move on to the yeah. Unless you have more, you have more plans. No. (laughs) All right. Okay. Sorry. Broadsheet. No, it's all right. Been a long week. Uh, It has. We're almost at the end, though. We got. We got this. Um. No, I'm traveling tomorrow, man. Oh yeah. Sorry. Doesn't stop. I always forget. My weekends aren't your weekends. Yeah. Broadsheet. So now the question, obviously, is okay. What else do they do, right? And I know uh, from the latest thirty-two thoughts, Elliot Friedman saying, you know, hey, they are all in. They think they can win the Stanley Cup. And I know there's a temptation to read that as, okay, there's going to be another big move coming, but then you also hear the follow-up from Friedman, and it's, well, I still think they'll look for depth on defense, right? Carson Soucy's been injured. You know, do they try to balance out the right shot, left shot thing a little bit? So I think that's worth noting because they can be all in, and it doesn't mean they're going to go take another big swing. Now, you never know. If something becomes available – you have to look at it, and Rutherford has said, hey, we'll monitor things. We'll see where the prices go towards the deadline. But I think we do have to kind of realize this was probably the swing that they took. And it's it's a one that makes an awful lot of sense. From this point on, we're probably looking at, you know, maybe depth penalty killer. If you can get a big body in your bottom six, something like that, 
you've made the point about the depth puck mover. We're looking at those tweaking moves more than anything. So, informed, informed um, speculation on my part. Okay. Oh, by the way, oh, Pavel Dimitra was in the 2010 Olympics as a Canuck as well. Ah, nice. So there you go. Very cool. Seven. Seven. Yeah. Pavel Dimitra almost broke Canadian hearts. He did. Yeah. I remember that, that moment very well. That was That's tight. Di- might, that might be the biggest save of Lu- Luongo's Seriously. Career. And this always got me because people just thought it was a miss no, in real it time. It was I know. unbelievable it was, it was, But he didn't get credit for it because it was like, oh, Dimitra put it out high. But it's like, then you watch the replay and, and no, Luongo it was got a save. It. No, I Anyways. Know. Classic Luongo, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> like this clutch moment was like uh, completely ignored. Completely ignored. And then, yeah. uh, and then. It was like, he's never made a big save. It's like, what are you talking about? And then, well, and, and also, what about the first two on Zach Parise left alone in front? People yeah. were like, Luongo. And it's like, Zach Parise scored on his third shot alone in front. What are you talking about? Anyway. Yeah. Um, so, informed speculation here. Size up front, I think, would still be something this team would love to add. But I do think an additional defender is, like, slightly higher priority. I'm not sure if we see it. Mm. Like, I'm not certain. But I think I know this much. I know that the Canucks are going to be watching the play of their blue line very closely between now and the deadline and really scrutinizing themselves. Do we have enough? And they're going to look at the prices, I think, for sure. But, you know, we still, because we still see people like, you know, bring up Tyler Toffoli, for example, as a pending UFA. That feels like a tier above what they're going to be looking at, to me, anyways. Also, I f- would think that they'd imagine they've filled the top some of that spot. need. Yeah. yeah. With like the right shot, trigger man on the power yep. play kind of thing with, with Elias Lindholm, for sure. Um, lineup notes, nothing today. We well, can get. No, you t- what? Brock Besser, J.T. Miller, Quinn Hughes, Elias Pettersson, and Thatcher Demko are all, all on, on all Team on the, Hughes. Yes, that's true. That's a thing. Sure. Yeah, there you go. Lineup notes. Um, that's a lineup note. Yeah. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> Playoff forecast, as mentioned, the Canucks. I don't know if I hit this enough yesterday. The Canucks now projected to finish tied with the Boston Bruins. First place in the NHL with 112 points at the end of the season. So, Right now, t- projected to finish in a dead heat for the President's Trophy at the end of the year. And the Canucks actually have the most regulation wins uh, of any team in the league as well. So they're they're kind of in the driver's seat as tiebreakers go as well. Although, you know, still lots of time for that to change. So that's, uh, as I said earlier, that's a, a jump up from prior to the Lindholm trade. So you're seeing it. You're seeing the effect of it in these models, and I mean, we're we're talking about a potential President's Trophy winning team all of a sudden here. I hope um, people are using, like, I hope that we can see people in Vancouver because I, you know, as this team's listed over the course of the past decade, I, I do feel like most hockey fans in Vancouver are really Canucks fans first and kind of hockey fans second, mm-hmm. and that's totally fair. That matches most Canadian markets, but like, I'm thinking about Tuesday, and it's like four o'clock. You get. Hurricanes Canucks. Mm-hmm. Seven o'clock, you get that Oilers Ooh, Kings Golden game. Yeah. Knights game. Or Knights, sorry, yeah. With with you know the Oilers having a chance to tie the NHL's all time record for longest win streak. Like I hope people are excited. You know, hit hit the sports bar, sit on your couch with your buddies, and uh, and watch just like a really great hockey night. You know, because then the, the, there's every opportunity that that Thursday night. 
the Thursday afternoon game Boston, in Boston is like sure between you know the winner Four, will be yep. first in the league. Like yep. let's go. Like this is going to be such a great week of hockey upcoming. Um. Anyway, All Star Game. Dom's model, which projects the oh, yeah. All Star Game roster. Hughes, Quinn Hughes is drafting. By the way, I do want to say says Quinn Hughes is team number. This is the favorite. Shout out to Hughes. He did end up getting all of the Canucks except Lindholm. But shout out to him being like best player available. Man, I want to win. Nikita Kucherov. <laughs> He's the best player left. Got to draft him. Quinn Hughes, good hockey <laughs> takes. Um. Now Dom Lecision thinks that Quinn Hughes drafted the best team. Vegas does not. Team Matthews, wow. plus 260. Team McDavid, plus 260. This is to win outright. Team McKinnon, plus 275. Quinn Hughes' team, plus 275. Opportunity knocks. Quinn Hughes' team to beat Team Matthews, by the way, plus 100. Even money going into Saturday what, night's This is what we've been reduced to is the inefficiency, the gap, <laughs> the edge you can find using Dom L's model well, versus Vegas they, on the three-on-three all-star game. They do say if you bet on... An all-star game or the preseason, you're a nasty boy. <laughs> um, by the way, I want I gotta I gotta read this. Don't forget somebody we're talking about Olympic participation. Don't forget Phil Di Giuseppe for Italy in 2026. Because if you remember when they were there uh in Turin in 2006, the Italian team, because of course the host is represented no matter what, right? The Italian team was like a lot of guys born in the greater Toronto area <laughs> with Italian last names. Who are like, hey, we're not good enough to make Team Canada, but Italy wants us, so all right, let's go, let's go. So that could be uh, Phil Di Giuseppe in twenty twenty six. That's a good shout out from the from the listener. Yeah, and as far as I can tell, he has never represented. Te- oh, he represented Team Canada as a U twenty player. So, ooh, I don't know what the rules are for double IHF. Would Does be very, you, would be tough. U twenty at U twenty would mm. be tough. That's unfortunate. Sorry. Nice uh, nice suggestion as if you thought I didn't think of it. No, I'm kidding. I didn't. That was a good suggestion. Uh, Italy, though, would have to qualify. So we'd have him probably in a tier below fringy. No, Italy doesn't have to qualify. The host gets a team. The host gets to go in everything. Right, of course. That's why Italy was like, oh, boy, we have to field an ice hockey team Okay, you know what? He's in fringy. I'm I'm down. Yeah, let's go. (laughs) There you go. He's in fringy. All right. He's in fringy. Uh, uh, we will we will take Nailed a break it. here. Yeah, fantastic segment. Included, I don't know what you're talking it about. It included a tiered list of Canucks Olympic participants, a lengthy discussion about the weirdness of the Kings coaching firing, and the word fringy. It's all, it's all headlines. And the term nasty boys. Nasty Hard to do boys. better than that. We will take a break. Keep your texts coming in. More Canucks talk coming up here. Sportsnet 650.